0: You're listening to The Preaching Podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message.
1: Psalm chapter number 62. The Bible says, Truly my soul waiteth upon God, from him cometh my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. How long will ye imagine mischief against a man? Ye shall be slain, all of you. As a bowing wall shall ye be, and as a tottering fence. They only consult to cast him down from his excellency. They delight in lies. They bless with their mouth, but they curse inwardly Selah. My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in Him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us, Selah. Surely men of low degree are vanity, and men of high degree are a lie. To be laid in the balance, they are altogether lighter than vanity. Trust not in oppression, and become not vain in robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart upon them. Verse 11, God has spoken once, twice have I heard this, that power belongeth unto God. Also unto thee, O Lord, belongeth mercy, for thou renderest to every man according to his work. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father,
0: we love you. We thank you for your word. I thank you that your word has the answer. I thank you that your word is truth. And uh, you knew that we would be assembled here uh, together, this group, at this time on this Sunday uh, here at the Victory Baptist Church. And I believe that you've got something for us from your word. Help me not to get in the way. Uh, Help me not to make it confusing. Help me to just simply deliver the truth as you have uh, given it to me and as it is so clear in your word. I pray that you'd speak to our hearts. Lord, I pray for those who are uh, watching this service online, those who are listening by way of radio, and each and every person in this auditorium. I pray if there's one here today that does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, may they not leave without trusting Him. I pray for many in this room that do know Christ, but maybe there's some folks here today that... Uh, They're struggling. Uh, Maybe they're going through some very difficult times. I pray that you would give them encouragement, give them help today. We love you and we thank you for all you've done. Bless us now uh, during the preaching of your word. May we listen, may we receive it, may we apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. I love the life of David. I love studying his life. But I will be honest with you, there are some parts of his life that I, I think I like more than others. For instance, when we're talking about, and today we're going to talk about verse number seven, where David said, in God is my salvation and my glory. He is the rock of my strength. I'm glad that God is our strength. Aren't you glad that the Bible makes it very clear that we can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth us. Aren't you glad Isaiah 40, 31 tells us that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I'm glad that God gives us strength. I'm glad for stories like we read about with David. David was just a young man. David did not have the strength to go against Goliath, but God gave him the strength. You see, the battle was not David's, the battle was the Lord's. And David ran out, the Bible says, to meet the giant. He ran to the fight and God gave him the power and God gave him the strength to win that victory. That's the kind of strength I like. However, Psalm 62 tells us about a different kind of strength. You see, sometimes we think that power means that we've got to go and we've got to charge into the battle. But God is not always calling his people to charge into the battle. There are some times that God is calling his people to wait and to be patient and not get into the battle, but let God take care of the battle while we wait and while we watch God. Does that make sense? you understand what I'm saying? See, we like the pep rally of, boy, we can do it. It's going to be great. We're going to go after it. But sometimes God says, be still. Sometimes God says, wait patiently. And God says, don't mess things up. Let me do the work that I'm going to do. And you don't have to do anything except trust. say, well, that's too easy. No, I would argue with you. I think sometimes it takes more strength to wait on God than it does to take matters into our own hands. You see, David is in a situation here in Psalm 62 where David is not facing an enemy like Goliath. He's facing a different enemy. This enemy is his very own son. His son Absalom has taken the kingdom. His son Absalom has stolen the hearts of the people and Absalom has taken over and now Absalom has sent his men out, his soldiers, his army to go out and to kill his own father, David. Here's the problem. David didn't want to hurt his son. David is in a battle that he doesn't want to fight. David is in a battle that he doesn't want to win. He doesn't want to be killed, but he doesn't want to see his own son killed. And so it's in that context, it's in that situation that David records Psalm 62. Now, again, these are not just the thoughts of David. These are not just some good ideas that David had while he was sitting down thinking about life. These verses are scripture that have been given to us by God, inspired by God, for us to use and for us to apply in 2022. You see, this is not outdated. This is not old. This is not irrelevant. This is the word of God. And here's what David says about the rock of his strength. Number one, he says you got to have patience. Verse number one, truly, my soul waiteth upon who? God. Now, you may be waiting on somebody. And that somebody, may, they may not come through for you. You may be waiting on something to happen. Maybe you're waiting for something to happen uh, in the stock market. Or maybe you're waiting for something to uh, happen with the interest rates. Or maybe you're waiting for something to happen uh, with an election. Or maybe you're waiting for something to happen with your business. Or maybe you're waiting for something to happen uh, in, in your life or your family. That may or may not happen. But when you're waiting on God You are never going to be disappointed because God's way, God's plan is always best. Now, we make a mess of things. We make foolish decisions and we get ahead of God and we can mess it up. But when you and I learn to wait and trust and be patient for God to work, you will not be disappointed. David says, truly, that word truly, it means honestly, seriously, definitely. He says, I am waiting on God. I want to ask you this morning, can you say that? Would you say in your life, in your situation, that you're waiting on God? You're trusting God? That's what David said. That word truly is used to emphasize emotional sincerity. David is saying, Lord, you know my heart. And truly, honestly, I am waiting on you. That word waiting has the idea to wait silently. Now, first of all, I don't like to wait. And, and anybody that's normal would say to that, amen, right? We don't like to wait. That's not our nature. But if I'm going to wait, I don't like to wait silently. I like to let everybody know how long I've been waiting I like to let everybody know all the things I could have been doing that I couldn't do because I've been waiting for something else. But that's not what this is saying. This is not saying you wait on God and while you're waiting, you complain to everybody. While you're waiting, you have a pity party. While you're waiting, you take out your frustration. Oh, no, 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 no. It is waiting patiently and waiting silently for God to work. David says, from him cometh my salvation. Notice verse number two. We see not only patience, but number two, we see David's position. He says, He only, speaking of God, He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. Now, again, we like to go on the offensive, right? We like to be on the attack. We like to be on the move. But David says, I am going to have my position. I'm going to have my feet planted upon the rock. He said, because God is my defense. Now the defense, that is a place where they would go for safety. It was a fortress. It was a walled city where they were safe from the enemy. David says in verse number um, seven, in God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength and my refuge. That word refuge, it has the idea of a a high place, a high tower where you can be safe from an enemy. Well, guess who our high tower is? Guess who our refuge is? Our refuge is God. And David says, my position. He said, I'm not trusting in my own ability. I'm not trusting in my experience. And by the way, David was a great king. David was a great warrior. David was a great man. He was was such an amazing man. But he said, I'm not trusting in my ability. I'm trusting in God. That is my position. He is my rock. But then I want you to notice in verse number two, notice the word, it says, he only is my rock. Oh, I love this. David is not saying, God, I'm counting on you 50%. And the other 50%, I'm counting on my army. Oh, no, no. He said, God, it's you and it's you alone. It is only you. Notice verse number five. My soul, wait thou only upon God. Verse number six. He only is my rock. Our position must be in Christ. But if Christ is the rock, you've got to have your feet planted on the rock. You've got to hang on to the rock. Uh, have you ever, you ever been on a, uh, maybe a, a cliff? I've told you about how I feel about heights, so I've never done this. But have you ever been on a cliff and you got one foot on and one foot off? That you're, I'm on the rock. No, you're not. You're halfway over the edge. I want to tell you this. I want my feet planted. I want my feet secure. I want my faith and my trust to be all on the rock. My faith David says my trust is on the rock he is my refuge that word only we showed you the words on the screen we don't need to see that again but during the Protestant Reformation there was a theme that surfaced and it was the theme or the word alone you see the Protestant Reformation and this is just this is a very simplified crash course on the Protestant Reformation but all those groups that came out of the Roman Catholic Church, they protested the teachings of the Catholic Church. Now, you, you many times you'll see, somebody will, will, will give you a, a something to fill out. Are you, are you Catholic or are you Protestant? Now, if those are the only two choices, I will mark Protestant, but if there's another choice that says other, I mark that because I'm not a Protestant. The, the Baptist did not come out of the Catholic Church. The Baptists uh, have a line of Bible believers that I believe can be traced all the way back to Christ, to the early church, and and, and we were not a part of the Catholic church. Uh, Victory Baptist Church, if you were to go back and say, what about this, pastor? What about this? What about this? All the way back, you can trace a line all the way back to the time of Christ. Why? Because the line of Christ and the early church Early church, they believed the Bible. You see, in the early centuries, uh, there were people that were killed. There were people that were martyred. You want to know why? Because they would not condone infant baptism. That was a teaching of the church. As a matter of fact, they called them Anabaptists, meaning rebaptizers. And they had people killed because they said, We will not baptize babies and say that's salvation. You know why we don't believe and why you don't see us baptizing babies? Because a baby can't be saved. A baby can't put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Now, I'm glad that I believe the Bible teaches there's an age of accountability, and I believe that children, until they reach that time, I believe if a child dies or a baby dies, I believe they're with the Lord because they have not come to that point, point. And, and there's uh, several passages I give you on that. One is the life of David. When David's baby died, he prayed and prayed, And then when the baby died, he stopped praying. And the people were confused. They said, David, why were you crying before while the baby was sick? But now that the baby's dead, you're not crying. David said this. He said, I'm not crying. He said, because that baby now cannot come back to me. But I'm going to go and I'm going to see that baby someday. And can I tell you, uh, that is one example of infant baptism. And so during the Reformation, Martin Luther and the Protestants and all that, they pulled out of the Catholic Church because they said the teachings of the Roman Catholic Church are not biblical. For example, the Roman Catholic Church taught and still teaches that you need Scripture plus you need the tradition. You say, well, is that right or not? Oh, I'm getting there. Just hold on tight. The Roman Catholic Church teaches that it is Christ, and you gotta have Christ, but you also have to have Mary. The Roman Catholic teaches that church teaches that you can have to have Christ, but you also have to have the priest. You gotta have Christ, but you gotta have the saints. The Roman Catholic Church teaches that you gotta have faith, but you gotta have works. And the Protestant Reformation came out of that saying, you don't need anything else but Christ and him alone. So a well, pastor, do we believe that? You better believe we believe that. At least I believe it. If you don't believe it, you need to read your Bible. Because we're not saved by works. We're not saved by the church. We're not saved because you get dunked in a baptistry. We're not saved because we put our name on a church roll. We're not saved by praying to Mary. We're not saved by praying to the saints. We're saved by Jesus Christ and he is the only way. It is Christ and it is Christ alone. You say, well, pastor, are you saying that that's all we have? What if, what if we tell people that they don't have to have the church to be saved? They might not come to church. Well, maybe not. But I'll tell you this. If you got Christ and He's living inside of you and He's real in your life, I don't think we're going to be able to keep you out of church. If you got Christ and He's living inside of you, I don't think we're going to have to twist your arm to get you to read what He has to say in the Word of God. You see, Christ is enough. It is Christ and it is Christ alone. I went this week to... Uh, uh, run an errand, and I took uh, Kylie, she's our four-year-old, took Kylie with me to uh, Five Guys Restaurant in Emporia. And anybody ever been to Five Guys? You know what I'm talking about? Don't think about how good the food is, because that'll just make you hungry. Don't think about that. I just want to make sure you know what that place is. And uh, so we went to Five Guys, and, and Kylie went, and she went, it was just me and Kylie. She was so excited. She couldn't wait to get home and tell everybody else, all the others, I got to go and you didn't. So we had to have a little lesson on teasing and not rubbing it in and all that. But we got there. I'm, I'm not kidding you. She was so excited. She almost couldn't eat her food. I mean, and she, and she likes cheeseburgers and she likes french fries, but she almost couldn't eat it. She's just like picking the, the, the seeds off the bun and eating them and just bouncing off the walls, you know. She got, her, she got her sweet tea and lemonade, you know, and she was just, oh. And she looked at me. I could tell she was a little puzzled because... When we got there, I just asked her. I didn't really even ask her. I said, I'm going to get you a cheeseburger and french fries. She's looking around everybody else eating. And she said, Daddy? She said, well, what else do they have here? Her little mind was working, you know, thinking, you know, maybe what, what were my options, you know? And I said, nothing. She said, and then she's like, well, I, I, I wasn't listening or I didn't get the question. She said, do they have tacos? I said, no, they don't have tacos. Do they have waffles? I said, seriously, she asked me, to have waffles. I don't know where she got that from. I said, no, they don't have waffles. And then she looked at me. This is one of her favorite lines. She looked at me and she says, are you tricking me? Like she thought I was kidding. She didn't believe that there was a restaurant. All they had were cheeseburgers and French fries. And I said, no, Kylie, I'm not tricking you. This is all they have. I'm serious as a heart attack. That's it. And I want to tell you, friend, there's a lot of places and a lot of people that'll tell you you need a whole lot of other stuff besides Jesus. But I want to tell you, you don't need anything but Jesus. He's all you need. And when you get Jesus, you'll find he's all you want. And you'll find that Jesus will meet every need that you ever have. You see, Jesus is enough. It is Christ alone. It is God who only is my rock. David says, I don't need any other rock. I don't need any other fortress. I don't need any other refuge. I don't need any other strength. All I need is what I have in God. I see number one, David had patience. Number two, his position. But number three, he had problems. Verse three, he says, How long will ye imagine mischief against a man? Ye shall be slain, all of you, as a, as a bowing wall shall ye be, and as a tottering fence. They only consult to cast him down from his excellency. Absalom and Ahithophel and those men, they they got together, they conspired how how they could pull David from the throne and how they could cast him down. Verse number four, they delight in lies. They bless with their mouth, but they curse inwardly. I want to tell you, people will lie about you. You say, I didn't know that. Well, newsflash, they will. People will lie about you. People will lie to you. They lied about David. They lied to David. They lied about Jesus. They lied to Jesus. And they will lie. People will lie. Now, God forbid that that be Christians. God forbid that the people of God would resort to lying and to, and to being deceitful and to, to, to honoring with their mouth and then cursing inwardly. But David experienced that. He experienced the problems with people and the, the, the problems with people who were close to him, his own son and his own trusted advisor that turned on him. David had some problems. Notice verse number five. He said, my soul, wait thou only upon God for my expectation is from him. He said, my hope is in God. My hope is in the Lord. My hope is not in another king. My hope is not in another counselor. My hope is not in another army. My hope is in God. He had problems. Verse number six is a repeat of verse two. He only is my rock. And my salvation he is my defense I shall not be moved that word moved it means to be shaken say well yeah I'm not gonna let anybody move me off the rock well guess what you ought not let anybody even shake you while you're on the rock you ought to be so grounded you ought to be so firm in Jesus and so firm in the Word of God that nothing shakes you when circumstances come when news comes When trials come, when difficulties come, may God help us to be grounded and founded upon the rock so that we are not moved. Number four, David praises. I love this. Just about every psalm you read, David's giving God glory. He's praising God. He's having problems. But you can't wait till you have no problems to praise God. You can't wait till everything's good to count your blessings. Count your blessings even when you're going through storms. Count your blessings even when you're going through trials. He praises God and God is my salvation and my glory. David says, anything good in my life is all because of God. The reason I've been saved, the reason that I've been rescued and delivered is because of God and my hope is in Him. He praises God. Verse number eight, we see that David stops talking to himself, and he starts talking to others. Verse number eight, he says, trust in him at all times. That'd be a good verse to put on the refrigerator this week. Trust in him at all times. When you're feeling good, trust him. When you're feeling bad, trust him. When there's money in the bank, trust him. When there's no money in the bank, trust him. When the balance is negative, trust him. Trust in him at all times. But then he says this, ye people. He's talking to others now. And friend, I want to tell you, when you and I go through difficulties, yes, we should be helped and we should trust God, but we also should look for somebody that we can help as well. Look for somebody that you can encourage. Hey, you say, I've been through that. I've been down that road. Let me tell you how God helped me. Let me tell you what God did for me. And if God did it for you, he can do it for somebody else. If God did it for somebody else, he can do it for you. He says in verse number eight, pour out your heart before your coworkers. Pour out your heart before the internet. Pour out your heart before him. You can talk to God. And by the way, when you talk to God, he cares. He's listening. He wants to hear. He wants to know what you're going. He knows what you're going through, but he wants you to admit it. And he wants you to come to him for help. God is a refuge for us. I want to tell you, Victory Baptist Church, God is a refuge for me. But he's not just a refuge for me. He's a refuge for us. He's our strength and he's our protection for us. Verse number nine, David begins to talk about some people that made his life miserable. He says, surely men of low degree are vanity and men of high degree are a lie. To be laid in the balance, they are altogether lighter than vanity. That word vanity is the word vapor, a vapor that appears for a little time and then it's gone. You know, the people that are giving you the biggest problems right now, and please don't point if they're in the auditorium, especially please don't point to me if I'm the one that's giving you the biggest problems right now. But did you know that the people, they're not gonna ruin your life. They're not gonna be the ones to set you back if your confidence is in God. They'll come and go. The people come and go, problems come and go, but guess what? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Men of low degree, men of high degree, doesn't matter what their rank, doesn't matter what their status is, the Bible says they will be laid in the balance. That word laid in the balance it is the idea from like from Daniel 5 where Belshazzar saw the handwriting on the wall. And the handwriting said, many, many, tekel you, farce and meaning that Belshazzar's kingdom had been weighed in the balance and found wanting. Did you know that God always has a way of taking care of things? God always settles the score. God will take care of it. You don't need to get revenge. As a matter of fact, that's not even your category. That's not even your job description. The Bible says, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. David says, uh, these people, he said, they're vanity. They're just, they're going to come and go. They're just a vapor. But then he says this, not just the people, but he talks about riches. Trust not in oppression, verse 10. That is a, a, a fraud or that is an unjust gain. He said, don't trust in that. Become not vain in robbery. If riches increase set not your heart upon them. Boy, that's a, well, I'm so glad that, I'm so glad that God put that in this this passage because David had a lot of riches. As a matter of fact, David was the king. But David said, I'm not trusting in my riches. And you shouldn't trust in your riches either. Did you know, you remember, and maybe some of you are like, I remember it well, I'm right there now. Remember when you didn't have money? Remember when you didn't know how to pay the bills? Remember when you, uh, actually, you had more bills than you had money. Remember those days? Some of you, again, you're like, yeah, I know exactly what that is. I'm there, I'm living that. You ought to see my kitchen table. You know, the bills are stacked high and I know what the bank account is and I, I'm getting the letters of you know overdraft and I'm getting the letters of past due and all that. Okay, you know what happens then? You realize how much you need God. You realize how much you need to trust him. And sometimes God blesses God supplies your needs and you've got money and you don't need to pray anymore, you don't think. You don't need to rely on God because your bank account's looking really good. I want to tell you, don't trust in riches. Whether you've got them or you don't, don't trust in riches. David, as a matter of fact, he had a lot of riches, but you know what David did with his riches? He set them aside. He said, I want to have all this set aside because when my son Solomon comes on the throne, I want him to build a temple for the glory of God. Here's how I think we ought to use our riches. We ought to use our riches for the glory of God. We ought to use our riches for what is eternal and what is uh, what matters. I think we ought to use our riches to send more missionaries to the mission field. I think we ought to use our riches to, to send the gospel out and to, to, to send out more buses and to have more outreach. And I think we ought to use our riches to, to make investments that are eternal. I thank the Lord for the Christian school. And can I tell you, that's a great place to invest in teaching and training a generation uh, to go in the way of the Lord. I want to tell you, riches, you can't trust in them, so you might as well use them for the glory of God. But then verse number 11, God hath spoken once. Twice have I heard this, that power belongeth unto God. Number six, the word is power. David knew something about power. He knew that all power belonged to God. Matthew 28, Jesus said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. You see, God has all power, but here's the problem. It's still so hard to trust Him, is it not? Because He has the power, and here's what we think. God, if you can do something, why don't you do it now? God, if you are able to do something, if you can do this, why don't you do it now? Well, he could. But if he operated on our whims and he operated on our will, he wouldn't be God. See, as for God, his way is perfect. He has all power. Everything's under control. Don't worry. When you are resting on verse number Uh, 7, the rock of strength, there's plenty of power, and he's not going to run out. He is all-powerful. But then lastly, I want you to see in this psalm, as David is talking about the rock of strength and God, my salvation, it's almost like David issues a plea. In verse number 12, he says, also unto thee, O Lord, not only does power belong to you, But he says, unto thee belongeth mercy. For thou renderest to every man according to his work. Now think about this. David's talked about the wicked in here. He's talked about uh, those who are vanity. He's talked about those who are are guilty of robbery and those who are guilty of oppression and those who are trying to hurt him and those who are trying to, to harm him. But then in verse number 12, he reminds all of us that God is a God of mercy. I'm thankful for that. Because if it weren't for God's mercy, I wouldn't be here today. and You wouldn't be here today. And if we were alive today, I promise you this, we would be on our way to hell with no hope, and with no escape. But because of God's mercy, we can say, God is my rock, God is my salvation, he is my refuge, and we can say that with confidence, and we can know that our eternity is okay, our eternity is settled, not because of what we have done, but because of his mercy. Titus 3, 5, you know the verse, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. David says, our God is a God of power, but he also is a God of mercy. And here's the plea. For thou renderest to every man according to his work. You see, you have a choice. You have an option. You can accept God's mercy or you can face God's judgment. You see, if you reject the mercy of God, then God will render, God will repay every man according to his work. And if you don't want the mercy of God, then you're going to have to pay for your sins on your own. And if I reject the mercy of God, then I've got to pay for my sins on my own. And the only way we can pay for our sins is by spending eternity in a place called hell. So, Pastor, why would would God send anybody to hell? Why would a, a, a loving, merciful God send anybody to hell? Well, first of all, God doesn't send anybody to hell. We send ourselves there when we reject the mercy of God. So here's the real question. Why would anybody, reject the mercy of God. When God gave his son, he loved you so much that he gave his son to die for you so you could have mercy. What's mercy? Mercy is the fact that we don't get what we do deserve. And I want to tell you today, I want to stand here and say I'm thankful for the mercy of God. And if you're here today or you're listening or you're watching this service and you've never accepted the gift of salvation, it is by God's mercy that we can be saved. And I want to encourage you today, don't leave until you accept that mercy. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.